Hi everyone, this is Tech in EdTech. In this podcast, we discuss technology that powers education and improves learning for all. Welcome to today's episode, where we are going to be talking about using technology to enable social-emotional learning. I'm your host, Anu Singh, Chief Product Officer at Magic EdTech. Our esteemed guest today is Melissa Reagan, Chief Learning Officer at Navigate360. Melissa, thanks for joining today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Anu. So how have you been over the last year or so? Well, I think it's been pretty good considering there's been a global pandemic. How about you? Same here. Uh, been pretty good. A lot of uh, new learning, a lot of different uh, broader perspectives. So looking forward um, to what else, right? How did you get into the attack and after spending a few initial years in teaching? Tell us a bit more about your previous roles and your contributions to building some great curriculum and ed tech products. Yeah, thanks for asking. So as you mentioned, I initially started in education teaching high school English. And from there, I started working in professional development, helping teachers develop skills to work with their students. Then I sort of went and developed SEL curriculum for high school students for an edtech company before moving into professional development for a large educational publishing company. Um, after developing some professional learning opportunities, I moved into curriculum, did some parent engagement programs before moving into SEL, and recently just finished a book, The SEL Classroom, which I'm excited about, and now I'm at Navigate360. Wow, it's a pretty well-rounded and deep experience. Uh, you've been a teacher, you've done SEL curriculums, you've been, you're an author now, and you're working for an ed tech company too, right? So really, really uh, excited. Thank you. So help us know more about Navigate360 and the problems it is trying to solve. One of the things I really like about Navigate360 is they provide this holistic approach to safety and mental health issues all of our schools are facing today. So it's not just about the SEL curriculum or the student safety. We prevent, we protect, and we prepare students and schools for anything that they could possibly be encountering. And extremely important. I've got two kids, one uh, in K-12, right? And uh, absolutely see the need over there. Then, so from your perspective, what makes these problems crucial in current times and ahead? Well, you have children, so you... I'm sure I've noticed that there has been a change in student mental health in the past, even before the pandemic. But since the pandemic, we've really seen a huge change. And this change has been so significant that even the U.S. Surgeon General has issued a mental health crisis advisory. Some of the statistics are really staggering. Up to one in five children ages 3 to 17 have a mental, emotional, developmental, or behavioral disorder. It's just staggering when you look at that alone, but then you think that 40 per students, that's about one in three, have had suicidal thoughts. 19% have seriously considered attempting suicide, and that's a 36% increase. So definitely we're seeing serious mental health issues in our schools. Wow, these numbers are pretty insightful. And uh, while I'm glad, you know, there's self-awareness by the teens, but there's definite ask that we as an industry, we uh, need to kind of meet. And uh, glad that you and champions like you are making that happen. What is your approach towards building a strong learning curriculum? Well, lucky for us, there's a lot of information about what best practices are. There's been a lot of research. We have the Castle competencies to guide us. But in addition to those principles, 
We also know that kids today are really savvy and they see through content that is superficial and it's not relevant to them. So it has to be flexible, has to be easily implemented by a teacher as well. And it really just has to be relevant and high interest. Kids don't want to, to sit through social emotional learning topics, no matter how it's presented to them, if it's not on something that's important to them. That is so well said. Uh, kids are definitely savvy, definitely have uh, some strong opinions as students. <laughs> yes. So, was the approach triggered by some of the lessons in the last two years or so during the pandemic? Well, what we saw, I think if you looked at before the pandemic, there was sort of this misconception that you can't teach social emotional learning digitally. People thought, oh, it's, you know, it's not social if you have to do it digitally. So what I really appreciated during the pandemic was this shift to online and hybrid learning really helped people see that, yeah, you can do it and you can actually do it well. And we can use technology to make it high interest and motivational for today's students while also being kind of off the shelf and easy to use for educators who, quite frankly, are still juggling a lot. I think the last part also the educators juggling a lot is uh, absolutely see it with my neighbors, the teachers I talk to too, right? And absolutely important for us to go and uh, meet that need too. What have been the lessons learned from the pandemic for you? That's a really good question. There were... Uh, I think a lot of lessons that we learned from it. But one thing is, I think, I mean, I, I hate to think of it as a benefit, but one of the things we saw is the collective focus on equity. We really realized that there are some students in this country who don't have some things that other students have. And that can be access to hardware. It can be tech support. It can be internet access. Um, just as an example, I live in a rural area in Maine, and internet access was certainly something we struggled with in our own home. And I really love some of the creative ideas I saw districts coming up with to solve some of the issues. But it, it shouldn't have taken a pandemic for this to happen. We should have always been thinking about these things and how to make learning equal for all students. I agree. Absolutely. How has approach to instruction transformed during the pandemic time? Well, I think two things is that we certainly see people who are much more cognizant and aware of mental health issues. You know, when I went to school to be a teacher, I didn't learn about social emotional learning. I didn't know how to address these issues with my students. I certainly did things like most teachers do, like check in with your students, ask how they're doing, try to check in, you know, you notice when something's troubling them, you can read their body language. But I didn't really know what to do about some of that stuff, but now we know. And we also know that before we can even think about prioritizing the core subject matter areas, we have to make sure that the kids are ready to learn, right? The whole Maslow before Bloom theory. Most teachers understand that they need to teach SEL, but most teachers don't really know how to do that. So those are some of the skills we need to build on. Correct. I think uh, that's something even for... Um, my own kids, when I kind of look at even as a parent, how do I kind of engage with them? How do I support that from the home uh, front also, right? But definitely how do we enable teachers, educators, and schools and students? A big focus. Yeah, you want to build on what the schools are doing. Yeah. So what is the need of the hour to safeguard teachers, parents, and students from the social and mental stress? So that is another really good question. And I think it's twofold. Number one is, you know, I still have lots of teacher friends and they say to me, you know, if one more person tells me to practice self-care, I'm going to lose it. And I get that. We're telling people not to get stressed out and that's making them feel more stress. So we have to help 
not just tell teachers to self-care, but also give them the tools and abilities they need to do the things they need to actually practice self-care and actually help their students with their own mental health. Yes. Uh, agreed on self-care, but also enabling, uh, helping the students out too, right? Now, there's been a lot of buzz around SEL. What are the core competencies of SEL and what is that which is missing from SEL practices? So CASEL, the Collaborative for Academic and Social Emotional Learning, is sort of considered the guiding light for social emotional learning. And they've established these five competencies for SEL. They're self-awareness, social awareness, decision-making, self-management, and relationship skills. And I think when you think about all the things people need to be successful in life, pretty much anything you can think of fits into one of those buckets, right? Like communication skills, um, you know, decision-making, um, being able to control your emotions, manage stress, all those things fit into these buckets. But what's missing, in my opinion, is a framework around teachers' knowledge and skills. SEL needs to be a part of pre-service training for teachers. But the last time I checked, I think only one college has that requirement. And we also need more research about what works for middle and high school students. There's a lot of research on preschool and elementary school students and social-emotional learning. But when you start to look at the upper grade levels, there's there are some gaps. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I did not realize that before uh, now, that there's this gap on the upper grade levels. And that's where I see a lot of, uh, like my, my, my daughter's in middle school, right? So I, and then I talk to her and her friends, and she's getting ready for high school. I can definitely see the need over there. See, one more thing is when I kind of think about, you said the five uh, competencies for SEL, right? Uh, and even when you think about equity, eventually that kind of goes to the sense of belonging. Right. And uh, how do we enable that's an area we need to invest in as an industry? Agreed. Definitely. And your daughter probably did a lot of social emotional learning and the younger grade levels, right? They teach them sharing, they teach them making friends and resolving conflicts. And those needs don't go away just because you're going to middle school or in high school. Kids still need help with those skills. Adults need help with them. Yes. Yes. So, what do you think? sits at the heart of building a strong SEL curriculum and the role of technology as an enabler to do the same. Well, one of the things that really excites me about Navigate 360 and also building SEL curriculum in general is the ability to really integrate technology. You can do so many really authentic learning experiences using technology. It also helps connect people. It allows us to deliver instruction in a way that's appealing to students. It's relevant. And it also allows us to collect data. And once you have that data, then you can start taking action with it. And that's much harder to do when you don't have um, technology to collect that information. Yeah, technology definitely can help connect people or enable connecting people and then the responsible use of data uh, for actionable data. I think very well said. How, how does your SEL product address some of these challenges associated with digital inequity and the social and emotional well-being of learners and educators? Well, one of the things I really love about our product is it's not designed as a computer program that kids just sit in front of and, you know, stare at a screen for 20 or 30 minutes. It's really intended to be a blended solution. And so what we do is we use the technology to create background knowledge for students. We build their background knowledge on whatever the subject matter is, say it's empathy. And then the teachers follow up that 
digital lesson with classroom discussions. And those are really meant to be facilitated by students. And they're meant to be really meaningful conversations that kids can have to build their own SEL vocabulary, build their own knowledge about the skills. And then to sort of help close that loop, we also have lessons for educators so they can build their own knowledge before they teach the topic. And then we have lessons for families so that, as we spoke about earlier, caregivers can then reinforce the message kids are getting and learning at school. Excellent. Uh, the, uh, I think you said it, the blended solution, especially with the whole 360 approach, that sounds very compelling, very powerful to me too. It's so, really exciting. How has your product supported teachers to use technology in meaningful ways? We do a really great job meeting teachers where they're at, both with their SEL knowledge and their technology skills. We do onboarding. We have a product that's really easy to use, but we also give them a teacher companion guide, which is actually a print document that provides details on the topic, additional resources, differentiation strategies. And then, of course, we have the actual lessons for teachers, too. Um, and of course, the student lessons are online and teachers love using them to build the background knowledge and then follow it up with those rich discussions. What's the right way to measure SEL learning? That's a, that's a good question. It's, it's a multi-million dollar question too. I think the answer depends on what you're trying to do. I think you and I spoke before about you got this assessment, SEL assessment document at home and you were sort of like, what's this? So we know that there are plenty of programs that have a pre and post SEL assessment, and that'll demonstrate how students have grown over the course of a year, right? You take it at the beginning, you take it at the end, here's where you grew. But that, first of all, that data is not actionable if you're not getting it to the end of the school year. If I see that my kids are having struggles in self-awareness or social awareness, there's not much I can do about that in May or June. There are some formative assessments, including like informal check-ins with students, and those are great, but only if someone is doing something with the data when they receive it. I think all too often what's happening is that students are taking an assessment, parents or teachers are getting the results, and we don't know what to do with it. And so I'm not sure there's a right answer on how to measure SEL. I think what I always ask myself is, what do we do with the information now that we have it? Now what? Yes, I did. Uh, so my, for my, both my daughters, I received that SEL screening questionnaire and on the same house, they get a very similar environment, but different scores, right? And I don't, uh, you know, wasn't prepared to kind of, okay, what do I do next? Yeah. So the measures are there, but I'm, I don't feel I was enabled enough. Now I'm doing my own work, doing my own research to say, okay, how do I interact and support that? Now working with the educators on that. Yeah, but you're a smart, educated parent, you know, and for you, it would have been helpful as for anybody to have sort of background and, and okay, so what does this mean? What do I do with it? What activities can we do? Yes, agreed. Especially interacting with my uh, my younger one, right? That uh, she doesn't want to and it gets interesting over there too, right? <laughs> for her, it's just, she's like, no, nah, I've done my homework and then my work on you know, focus a little different. So regarding the future of SEL learning and the tech roles therein, which direction do you see this tech moving in? How are you and your teams preparing for it? Well, I think you and I will agree that technology is not going anywhere. Um, we, you know, I have friends who have kids who are still remote learning or doing some sort of hybrid model. We also saw that some kids did really well in this sort of learning environment. Others struggled. And our own family, we have four children and two of them just did phenomenally. And then two of them were we're not as successful with remote learning or online learning. So I guess 
what I'm trying to say is the biggest thing we're focusing on is using technology to connect all these silos of student data and then create reports with actionable outcomes that educators can use to inform instruction or perform interventions with students who need it. So, for example, we have a tool that detects when students are using language on social media that suggests they're at risk of self-harm or harm to others. Now, currently, that information goes into our behavior threat assessment dashboard, where a school-based team investigates it and takes appropriate action. But what if we could take that data and then curate specific resources for the student, their families, peers, teachers? Like, the impact that could have using this holistic universal approach to mental health and wellness when combined could just be amazing for individual interventions. Agreed. The holistic view for individual intervention applied to individual intervention becomes more targeted, right? But how do you then make the solution scalable? Well, I think there has to be a focus on two things. First of all, it's training for educators and it has to go beyond just onboarding, like how to use the product. We can show them how, but what they really need to understand is why. Because if you don't get teachers to buy in, you're not going to be successful. And it doesn't matter what product you have or how great it is. Teachers have to understand why. And the second thing is, you know, as a former educator myself, we, we many of us here are former educators, but we really make sure our products are user-friendly with built-in support and walkthroughs to make sure using it is pretty easeless, easy and seamless. If something is a great product and you got buy-in and then it's difficult to use or it's glitchy or clunky, it's it's not going to be used. So, and we appreciate feedback we get from teachers along the way. We incorporate the feedback and just try to make the best product we can for educators and students. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, building compelling, highly functional user experiences, I think, is key. Like you just mentioned. And then the why behind that, connecting it to uh, for the teachers, right? Once the teachers have a buy-in, I agree, you know, you can move the needle a lot more. If teachers aren't bought in, then kids see that, right? And they're like, well, yeah. if my teacher thinks this is dumb, why am I doing it? Or if my parent thinks this is stupid, why am I doing it? So, you know, really the teacher's at the heart of it. Absolutely. And how can edtech companies be prepared for the future Well, to build on what we were just talking about, I think technology changes really rapidly, and so do schools' needs. So being able to listen, schools will tell you what they need. They'll say, we need X, Y, and Z. And the ed tech companies that are going to be successful are the ones that listen to that and can pivot or adapt to those needs. We can spend all our time creating what we think is the right thing, but if it's not what schools need, they're not going to use it. So it's really important to understand what the needs are. Absolutely. Listen to the needs and adapt to the needs. Very well said. So last but not least, what advice would you have for your peers and customers? I guess one thing is that there's really been some negative noise lately about social emotional learning. And I think that's really due to misconceptions and misunderstandings. So I'd really love for there to be more transparency about what students are doing during their SEL instruction. I think this goes a long way when it helps to getting buy-in from caregivers and the community for SEL. I, you know, there have been lots of states that have tried to introduce legislation to ban SEL, but I just can't imagine anyone who really knows what it is saying, no, don't teach my kid how to show kindness or don't teach them how to practice gratitude, you know, forget sharing. But that's what's happening. Um, and there's been a, a move to discredit SEL. And I, I think that's 
that's catastrophic. I think you said you've got to meet where the educators are, right? And meet, meet students where they are. When we, if you can do that and help them, especially in the last two years, I think the needs become more profound. Uh, I think they're good initiatives. So what are the three things you want people to remember, take away from this conversation? Well, I, one thing is that, you know, it seems like SEL is like another thing to do in your day. But I just want teachers to understand that SEL, if you do it and you do it right, it's going to result in improved positive classroom climate. And that is going to help you. The second thing is it takes practice. Don't expect that, you know, you're going to be a rock star at SEL day one, but don't give up either. And the third thing is good teachers are already doing a lot of social emotional skill building in their classrooms. They just need encouragement and the right tools to do the job. Yes. Um, I agreed about the practice. I agreed about uh, the three points, right? Uh, the encouragement for the teachers too, right? And yes, it's not just another thing we do. It's something very important that we're doing. Well said. Great call for action over there. As we close out the tech in that tech, I do want to say how much I appreciated your insights, care, and passion you brought to this topic of using technology to enable social emotional learning. I do want to thank Melissa and Navigate 360 for enabling and championing these critical initiatives. Melissa, thank you for your time today and wishing you a great year ahead. Thank you. Have a great day, Anu. Thank you. Bye-bye.